0: Episode 81, Is Vaccine Science, Fifth Generation War Propaganda? Musings on how war propaganda might look in our times. I've been thinking about war a lot lately. As I mentioned in my previous article and podcast, Academia and the New Dark Age, Part 4, I believe that we are currently embroiled in a global war, the war against us. To quote independent journalist James Corbett,
1: We are in the middle of a world-changing war right now. Oh, I don't mean the war in Ukraine, the one that all the media are asking you to focus your attention on. Yes, that conflict continues to escalate, and every day there are new stories about provocations and threats that could lead to a nuclear exchange. But that's not the war I'm referring to. No, the war I'm talking about is an even broader war. A war that is taking place everywhere on the globe, even as I speak, and that involves virtually everyone on the planet, young and old, male and female, military and civilian, It is the war of every government against its own population and every international institution against free humanity. This is no ordinary war, however. Most of the victims of this warfare aren't even able to identify it as war, nor do they understand that they are combatants in it. It's called fifth-generation warfare,
0: As Corbett explains, there are two key differences between earlier forms of warfare and fifth generation warfare. Firstly, fifth generation warfare, quote, is not waged against either standing armies of nation states or guerrilla insurgents, but against everyday citizens, end quote. And secondly, quote, this war is not being fought in a battlefield somewhere, but in the mind, end quote. However, there's also a key similarity between all the disparate forms of warfare, and that is the centrality of propaganda to the war effort. As Edward Bernays, who quite literally wrote the book on propaganda in 1928, observed, the creation and distribution of propaganda is pivotal to the operation of the modern democratic state. Quote, propaganda is the executive arm of the invisible government, end quote. States, and the corporations and organizations with whom they negotiate the exercise of power over the citizenry, utilize propaganda to influence, as Bernays put it, quote, the organized habits and opinions of the masses, end quote. Anything that the invisible government wants the public to buy into in order to further its own aims falls under the rubric of propaganda. Again, to quote Bernays' book, Propaganda, the mechanism by which ideas are disseminated on a large scale is propaganda, in the broad sense of an organized effort to spread a particular belief or doctrine. End quote. Manipulating the public into believing whatever the invisible government wants them to believe so that they voluntarily cooperate with its agenda is actually far more efficient and far less costly than compelling them through the modern state's monopoly on violence. Even the putative tyrant Napoleon was exquisitely sensitive to the mood of the people he supposedly ruled with an iron fist. Another quote from Benet's book Propaganda, Emile Ludwig represents Napoleon as ever on the watch for indications of public opinion, always listening to the voice of the people, a voice which defies calculation. Do you know, he said in those days, what amazes me more than all else? The impotence of force to organize anything, end quote. When it comes to war propaganda, though, the particular belief and doctrine that is most crucial for the warmongering state to disseminate is the identification and othering of the enemy. Behind our civilized veneers, we modern humans retain the primitive tribal impulse of our ancient ancestors to define an in-group of people like us and an out-group of people not like us. The point of difference that distinguishes those like us from those not like us may vary depending on context, from ethnicity, to religion, to political affiliation, to social class, to gang membership, to educational alma mater, to sporting team fandom, and even to random assignment based on arbitrary criteria, see Jane Elliott's infamous blue-eyes, brown-eyes classroom experiment for a bone-chilling example of this last one. The only necessary characteristic for a point of difference to generate in-group-out-group dynamics is that a social identity can form around it, through which individuals define themselves as being, in some way, superior or inferior to members of another social group. -group, In-group-out-group dynamics can be quite benign, as in the good-natured rivalry between fans of opposing sporting teams, epitomised by the standard conversation opener among Victorians, so who do you barrack for? But in-group-out-group dynamics are also the basis for all the heinous acts of barbarity ever perpetrated by humans against each other. The prejudice legitimized by out-group bias can, and all too frequently in human history has, metastasized into infrahumanization and dehumanization, which paves the way for enslavement, unpersoning, ethnic cleansing and genocide. The simple fact is that the powers that shouldn't be cannot secure public buy in to their wars without first cultivating outgroup bias. It takes a lot to persuade most humans to kill fellow humans. Hence, war is always waged on an outgroup, whether that outgroup be an enemy of long standing or a synthetic creation of the warmongers. Traditionally, we think of war propaganda as generating outgroup bias against a foreign enemy. As epitomized in World War I posters, several of which I've reproduced in the article accompanying this podcast episode, the crudely typecast Germans as the Hun, uncivilized, brutish, and psychopathically bent on world domination. But in fifth-generation warfare, the outgroup against whom bias is stoked is just as likely to be within the society targeted by war propaganda. During the manufactured COVID crisis, people who questioned public health policies often found themselves at the pointy end of outgroup bias, especially if they declined the experimental transfection agents. Remember this?
1: We want to make sure that people can discern the truth from the misinformation. And we want to make sure that everyone understands that no one's safe till everyone's safe. No one is 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 safe. safe. No one is safe. Nobody is safe. This is a post-9-11 axiom. Safer, but not yet safe. No one is safe. No one is safe. No one is safe. No one is safe from COVID-19 until everyone is safe. If the whole world isn't safe, none of us are safe. No one is safe. Nobody is safe. Nobody is safe.
0: Until we're all safe. Health experts have been saying nobody is safe.
1: Nobody is safe until everybody is safe. Nobody is safe. The Science is clear. None of us are safe. There is no safety. No one is safe. No one is safe. No
0: one is safe.
1: No one is safe until everyone is safe. No one's safe. Nobody is safe. Nobody is safe. No one We'll never be safe. Until we're all safe. We are never going to be safe. 99.5% 99.5% of people are safe and will survive COVID-19. Uh, the only positive thing out of this is we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines. and. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. You don't have a choice. As long as not everybody is vaccinated, nobody will be safe. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. So Get the fucking vaccine! You need to get vaccinated. And if you don't,
0: you are going to die. I know you're vaccinated, you're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know who they are.
1: The unvaccinated people. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this.
0: If you are the unvaccinated, you are the problem. You're
1: the Problem. Condemn them, shame them, blame them. The only people that you can blame are the unvaccinated.
0: Frankly, we can't trust the unvaccinated.
1: They should not be part of polite society. Em. Lunatics who won't take COVID vaccines. Walking around lawfully unvaccinated. That's psychotic. If you're willing to walk among us unvaccinated, you are an enemy. You have no right not to be vaccinated. You don't have the right to contaminate someone. You can't go around pointing a gun in somebody's face, which is what it is when people are unvaccinated. They are all idiots and Losers. This is a real movement in this country against the unvaccinated. Jennifer Aniston is cutting non vaccinated people out of her life. The unrepentant, unvaccinated. They should be removed from the hospital. Those who refuse to be vaccinated should be denied health care. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy? Rest in peace, Wheezy. You're. <laughs> Some doctors are saying they'll refuse
0: treatment for people who choose not to get the shot. Why are hospital and ICU resources going to them? Morons
1: Morons who will not get the shot. The unvaccinated clowns. Idiots who think that they can do their own research. Don't do any of your own research. Doing your own research is associated with conspiracy theory circles. This go-it-alone approach, doing your own research, that can have serious consequences. You should get prison time for even questioning the vaccines. Can we all stop saying, I need to do my own research? That phrase, do your own research, is four words. Four little words that are hurting America. Doing your own research hurts America! Everybody has a supercomputer in their hand that empowers them to do their own research, and that's the problem. You must not do your own research! Oh, I need to do my own research. I don't ever understand what that means. I'm doing my own research. You can't do your own research unless you're a scientist. Don't oh, oh, do your own research. research. Maybe you've told yourself you're playing it safe, you just want to wait and see since this is a new vaccine. No. Roll the up and get the vaccine. Unvaccinated people spread the virus. Get the vaccine, you dopes! Don't be a Get yourself vaccinated. That's just all there is to it. There's no excuse. No excuse for being unvaccinated. There's no rational and no emotional argument that adds up against getting your damn shot. There just isn't.
0: But you made a conscious decision not to get the vaccine. I also have natural immunity. So for me personally, this vaccine poses a greater risk than a benefit. I'm also not a risk to any of you. Let's look at the science. So
1: we see that the natural infection is given greater protection or slightly greater protection than vaccination.
0: This is a vaccine that was created to prevent severity of disease and to prevent hospitalizations. But the vaccine does not prevent you from getting COVID and does not prevent you from transmitting COVID. Oh my goodness. No, that's not
1: so. Come on. You've been at Fox TV too long. I just really don't think that we should allow this kind of misinformation. get the vaccine. where well, we know you're going to be, you're going to be safe from COVID infecting you. The virus stops with every vaccinated person. You do it so you stop spreading terrible disease. And that vaccine, a uh, key goal is to stop the transmission so that you get almost no, almost no Uh, infection going on whatsoever. Expectation for vaccines is not to get infected. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. When the virus gets to you, you stop it. You're not going to catch it. You're not going to get sick. You're not going to transmit it. The vaccine is absolutely bulletproof. Vaccines block you from getting and giving the virus. 100% effective at preventing COVID. Vaccine prevents you from getting infected. It is to keep you from getting it and then spreading
0: it. We have the ability to stop COVID in its tracks.
1: You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Biden tests positive for COVID-19. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Dr. Fauci tests positive for COVID-19. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. CDC director tests positive for COVID-19. Get your vaccine. Pfizer CEO tests positive for COVID. Pfizer CEO tests positive for COVID again. CDC director tests positive for COVID again. Fauci tests positive for COVID again. Joe Biden test positive for COVID again. Cases up 258%. The majority of these cases are among the vaccinated. And this area is the most vaccinated part of Massachusetts. So many fully vaccinated people are testing positive. So people here are a bit angry. We are all really concerned about what this means long term. I was vaccinated and I got COVID. And <laughs> almost everyone we know with vaccinations uh, had uh, at least one bout of it. Uh, our vaccines work better better. Uh, than we could have possibly uh, hoped they would work.
0: We are not the problem. The problem are the
1: unvaccinated. The unvaccinated threat. Unvaccinated people are a threat. A direct threat. The a threat, threat to all of us. The unvaccinated are a risk to all of us. People have a right to be protected from the unvaccinated. Maybe there should be laws that allow them to be kept out of the building. So at least, thankfully, they're not breathing the same air. Their freedom to breathe will diminish. Start firing the unvaccinated. If you don't vaccinate, you'll be fired. Time to come down on the unvaccinated. And they should be. Banned from the VA. Banned from... Restaurants banned from other businesses and colleges. Companies should not treat us as equals. on unvaccinated people under arrest. It is the unvaccinated that has put America in the place that it is. We are losing freedom because people are unvaccinated. Anger towards the unvaccinated. I'm furious at the unvaccinated. Frustrated with Americans. Still, Still not, not vaccinated. vaccinated. Not to be vaccinated seems criminal. Suspects face years behind bars for coughing on police officers. The freedom. For them. Charged with terrorist threats. You have, have no dispatch. individual rights when it comes to the vaccine. Really, you're killing other people. You're being attacked by unvaccinated. The unvaccinated who aren't wearing masks. Is the unvaccinated who aren't social distancing? Is the unvaccinated going to crowded indoor events? It is not your right as an American citizen to catch and transmit a potentially fake Fatal infection. So screw your freedom. freedom. We can coerce you. You're
0: not going to be able to travel to see your family. If someone in your family isn't vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up?
1: Yes. You really shouldn't have anyone unvaccinated come to dinner. That's just a huge risk. If you want to come out into public, if you want to live your life, you need to get the vaccination. It's time for people to see vaccination as literally necessary. You should have to show that you're vaccinated in order to go places. Unvaccinated, you can't travel to the U.S. If you're not vaccinated, you're not welcome. Our patients is wearing. Th- why hasn't the president focused more on scolding the unvaccinated? The refusal has cost all of us. Continued damage the unvaccinated are doing to themselves and the country. How come migrants are allowed to come into this country unvaccinated, but world class tennis players are not?
0: <laughs> you know.
1: And uh back to our lead story, Uh, uh the pan- pandemic, pandemic of, of the un- unvaccinated. The fact is, this is the pandemic, pandemic of, of the unvaccinated. Experts call it the pandemic of, of the, the unvaccinated. unvaccinated. Still a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The disease of the unvaccinated. It is the unvaccinated who are the problem. Period, end of story. We're unvaccinated also put our economy at risk. This is a tyranny of the unvaccinated right now. The Unvaccinated, not the vaccinated, the unvaccinated. That's the problem. That's the pandemic, yeah, the the pandemic, pandemic of, of the unvaccinated. Pandemic of the unvaccinated. unvaccinated. Vaccinated. All this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The only pandemics we have is among the unvaccinated. Pandemic the unvaccinated. When you get the vaccine, you will not die. That's right. That's right. This is a simple, basic proposition. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to die. If you're vaccinated, you don't have a risk. It's as simple as black and white. You are not going to die if you are vaccinated. That's it. Full stop. You're unvaccinated. You're at risk. You're vaccinated. You're safe. A majority of Americans dying from coronavirus are vaccinated. COVID-19 isn't a pandemic of the unvaccinated anymore. We didn't really understand the fatality rate. You know, we didn't understand that it's a fairly low fatality rate and that it's a disease mainly of the elderly, kind of like flu is. although a bit different. We have two Americas, an unvaccinated, at-risk uh-huh. America And a vaccinated America. I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say I'm vaccinated. You, the vaccinated, are the last best hope to overcome the unvaccinated minority. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it. We are seeking to enlist you in a benevolent conspiracy to join in the unfinished war against the sins of the unvaccinated. And it's a war. A forever war. The war against COVID-19. The vaccine hesitancy on Earth, too, has the potential to compromise all of the hard-fought progress. That we've made here on Earth One. This is the greatest
0: threat to life that we have ever faced. Metropolitan areas are now banning all private gatherings. This bar owner arrested for reopening illegally. Unvaccinated,
1: we are looking at a winner of severe illness and death. Death, death. death. For yourselves, your, so souls, your families. families. If the unvaccinated are not to blame, who is? If only we had a vaccine against BS. A vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Everything is more complicated if you're not vaccinated in a hurricane.
0: While all these thoughts of fifth generation warfare, propaganda, and in-group-out-group dynamics were swirling around in my head, I happened to reread a paper that I had tucked away in the file where I keep ideas for future articles. Its subject matter is crisply summarised by the title, Discriminatory Attitudes Against Unvaccinated People During the Pandemic. And unlike the sloppy, stupid, anti-science papers that I've discussed in my Academia in the New Dark Age series, and I've got links to part two, part three, and part four of that in the post accompanying this podcast episode, this paper is thorough, thoughtful, and determinedly neutral with respect to its subject matter. You know, like scientists are supposed to be. The authors utilized the YouGov and Ipsos survey agencies to conduct three separate surveys between the 3rd of December 2021 and the 28th of January 2022 of public attitudes toward people who had and had not received a COVID so-called vaccine. Study number 1. The first survey involved 10,740 respondents from 21 middle and high-income countries that quote had widespread access to vaccines against COVID-19 end quote Countries from all inhabited continents with widely varying governance structures and cultural norms were selected in order to identify both commonalities and differences in the feelings, attitudes and beliefs that facilitate discriminatory behaviour between vaccine in-groups and out-groups. Respondents were asked questions about how they would feel if a close relative were to marry an unvaccinated versus a fully vaccinated, at least according to definitions at the time, person, and further questions intended to elicit the degree to which fear of infection and perceptions of untrustworthiness and lack of intelligence contributed to prejudicial attitudes. As you may remember, the articles that I discussed in Part 2, Part 3, and Part 4 of my Academia in the New Dark Age series dutifully regurgitated the medical misinformation that near-universal uptake of the so-called COVID vaccines could end the pandemic by contributing toward community immunity. In stark contrast, the authors of this article freely admit that harbouring greater fear of getting infected by an unvaccinated than a vaccinated person made zero sense at the time they conducted their survey quote, note that during the collection of these studies, the vaccine evading Omicron variant was dominant and vaccine-induced immunity against infection spread was waning in most societies. This increased the chances of being infected by vaccinated people and therefore decreased the risk of interacting with unvaccinated individuals relative to vaccinated individuals, end quote. I would further note that thanks to a Freedom of Information request, we now know that there was never a time when the COVID injections could have ended the pandemic, and the so-called authorities knew this from the very beginning. An email from now former CDC director Rochelle Walensky, dated the 30th of January 2021, that is just a couple of weeks into the vaccine rollout, reads as follows. Dear all, I had a call with Francis Collins, the now retired director of the National Institutes of Health. So I had a call with Francis Collins this morning, and one of the issues we discussed was that of vaccine breakthroughs. This is clearly an important area of study and was specifically called out this week in an article which was published in JAMA Network. Should we discuss what is the best next step forward? Francis is also discussing with Tony, that is Tony Fauci. Thanks all, Rochelle. Despite clear evidence that the much-vaunted COVID vaccines were miserably failing to deliver, the survey results demonstrated a startling degree of antipathy directed against the unvaccinated by the vaccinated, but not vice versa. I've reproduced figure two from the article in the post this podcast episode, and you'll see from the charts that the countries in which vaccinated people held the most hostile attitudes toward the unvaccinated were, in descending order, Malaysia, Australia, China, the UK, the US, Germany, South Africa, Denmark, India, and then Spain. The exclusionary attitudes that the vaccinated held toward the unvaccinated were also compared to exclusionary attitudes toward immigrants from the Middle East, a group subject to high levels of discrimination in many Western countries. In the author's own words, they found that, quote, vaccinated people express discriminatory attitudes towards unvaccinated individuals at a level as high as discriminatory attitudes that are commonly aimed at immigrant and minority populations. By contrast, there is an absence of evidence that unvaccinated individuals display discriminatory attitudes toward vaccinated people except for the presence of negative affectivity in Germany and the USA. Exclusionary attitudes towards unvaccinated individuals among vaccinated people, 13 percentage points, is two and a half times greater than exclusionary attitudes toward Middle Eastern immigrants, 5 percentage points. Unvaccinated targets face significantly more exclusionary reactions compared with immigrants in 11 out of 21 countries, whereas immigrants do not face significantly more exclusionary reactions in any of the countries, end quote. Fear of infection was the biggest contributor to the exclusionary attitudes of the vaccinated toward the unvaccinated, again, despite the fact that it was publicly acknowledged by health authorities at the time the survey was conducted that the so-called vaccines were not effective at preventing infection or transmission. The perception that unvaccinated people were incompetent and unintelligent for not having accepted the magic shots that failed to deliver on any of the promises made for them also made major contributions to exclusionary attitudes. How ironic. Study number two. For the second survey, 3,045 respondents from six countries, Germany, India, Indonesia, Morocco, South Africa and the UK, were asked to rate fictitious individuals that vary in terms of vaccination status and other attributes on a seven-point like-to-dislike scale. The comparison group for this study was switched from Middle Eastern migrants to a set of four groups subject to high levels of prejudice, drug addicts, ex-convicts, people with mental illness, and atheists. As you'll see from Figure 4, which I've again reproduced in the article accompanying this podcast episode, vaccinated people expressed high levels of antipathy toward unvaccinated people, whereas, with the exception of Germany, unvaccinated people did not evince dislike of vaccinated people. Furthermore, on average, the level of antipathy that vaccinated people expressed toward the unvaccinated was higher than that directed at atheists, people with mental illness and ex-convicts, and comparable to the level of dislike for drug addicts. Now, I've asked myself why unvaccinated Germans were outliers in terms of actively disliking the vaccinated. I don't know for sure, but once again, in the poster companies podcast episode, I've included a couple of clues, photographs provided by the American playwright and satirist and long-term resident of Berlin, the inimitable CJ Hopkins. I really do encourage you to go take a look at that article because it's difficult to describe these photos. But the the first is a, a Christmas shop front with a Santa hanging in the window and a bunch of Christmas things on display. And then written rather crudely on the windows of this shop are the German words ungeimpfte, unerwünscht, which translates to unvaccinated, unwelcome. The next photo shows a wall on which the words ungeimpfte in Gas have been crudely spray painted, the English translation is gas the unvaccinated. So make of that what you will. Study number three, the third survey, aimed to discover whether discriminatory attitudes extend into the domain of publicly recognized rights, and hence was conducted in the U.S., a country founded on the recognition of fundamental rights and freedoms. 1,448 respondents were asked questions to elicit their degree of antipathy toward the corresponding vaccine outgroup, along with their attitudes toward the outgroup's freedoms of movement, residence and speech, and access to citizenship and unemployment benefits if eligible. Now, I've reproduced figure five from the study in the post-accompanying this podcast episode, and as this figure shows, vaccinated people expressed marked antipathy toward the unvaccinated and strong support for abrogation of their constitutionally enshrined rights and legally established entitlements. In stark contrast, unvaccinated people expressed mild dislike of the vaccinated and no desire to curtail their rights and freedoms. To sum up, people who had complied with the authorities' advice, exhortations, bribes and in many cases mandates to accept an experimental injection with no long-term safety record harbored discriminatory attitudes toward people who had not complied and were in favor of curtailing their fundamental human rights. Even at a point in the manufactured crisis at which it had become glaringly obvious that the so-called vaccines were utterly failing to stop infection, transmission, serious illness and death, no matter how high the take-up rate or how many booster shots were added to the definition of fully vaccinated. The vaccinated continue to view the unvaccinated as an infection risk and also as untrustworthy and unintelligent, even when the latter group's reluctance to take these inadequately tested shots had been thoroughly vindicated by rapidly accumulating evidence that the shots were neither safe nor effective. Let that sink in. Where do discriminatory attitudes lead? The authors of this study hail from the Department of Political Science and the Centre for the Experimental Philosophical Study of Discrimination at Aarhus University in Denmark and the Democracy Institute at the Central European University in Budapest, Hungary. Their analysis of COVID vaccine policy is hence shaped by concerns about its impact on social cohesion and public trust in government, rather than the public health establishment's myopic focus on the quixotic attempt to limit the spread of a single respiratory virus, regardless of broader societal impacts. The degree of prejudice against unvaccinated people that their surveys unearthed and its implications for social cohesion clearly alarmed them, Research on political polarisation warns that if socio-political disagreement, even if based on legitimate grievances, permeates interactions between citizens, it can contribute to the entrenchment of conflict. Here, we show that individuals who are vaccinated against COVID-19 express negative attitudes against unvaccinated individuals in the form of antipathy, stereotypes, support for exclusion from family relationships, and support for removal of political rights. In total, these four forms of discriminatory attitudes are consistent with the observations of prejudice according to standard definitions in social psychology, end quote. They cautioned governments against enacting vaccination policies that foment prejudice and discriminatory attitudes given the likely socio-political ramifications of such policies, quote, Although moralistic communication of collective responsibilities may be an effective strategy to increase vaccination uptake, such strategies may have unintended negative consequences in the form of eliciting prejudice, especially in cultures with strong cooperative norms. Research on prejudice towards minority groups warns that experiences of prejudice and discrimination may have negative long-term effects, hurting well-being, eroding identification with majority society and driving mistrust of the state, including health authorities. If the consequences of prejudice towards unvaccinated individuals resemble the consequences of prejudice against minority groups, they may exacerbate the mistrust and alienation that led to vaccine refusal in the first place. In the short run, prejudice towards unvaccinated individuals may complicate pandemic management. In the long run, it may mean that societies leave the pandemic more divided than they entered it. The authorities should seek to avoid fueling deep animosity between citizens. Indeed, as moral condemnation is often easily and spontaneously activated among the public during a crisis, the authorities and politicians should consider tempering social animosities as an important part of their mandate, especially when societal conflict becomes more entrenched. Quote. These are wise words of counsel for governments that want to foster social cohesion within their populations. But what if some, most, or all of the world's governments or perhaps the invisible government, which Bernays told us is the true ruling power, don't want social cohesion? What if instead their interests are best served when populations are divided against each other? Divide et impera, divide and rule. In that case, portraying the unvaccinated as selfish, dangerous, unintelligent and untrustworthy would actually be highly effective fifth-generation war propaganda. Just watch or listen to Matt Orfella's astonishing compilation of clips of politicians, media talking heads and celebritards, gratuitously attacking, smearing and scapegoating the unvaccinated one more time. And tell me if you think I'm overstating this. And if this demonising of the unvaccinated and valorising of the compliant is indeed fifth-generation war propaganda, the intriguing possibility arises that the authors of the papers that I discussed in parts 2-4 to of my Academia in the New Dark Age series are, in fact, not dimwits or acolytes of the Holy Church of Vaccine Scientism, but war propagandists. The World War I propagandists who invented stories of Hun soldiers cutting Belgian women's breasts off and bayoneting their babies knew that they were lying, but presumably they justified their calumny on the grounds that it served the greater good, ensuring a steady stream of military recruits and popular support for the war against Germany and her allies. Naira al-Sabah knew she was lying when she testified before the U.S. Congress that Iraqi soldiers had removed scores of Kuwaiti babies from incubators and left them to die. But presumably, she justified her false testimony on the grounds that it served the greater good, galvanizing the American public into supporting the Gulf War against Iraq. If the authors of the profoundly unscientific, rabidly pro-vaccine articles that I dissected previously are indeed war propagandists, what is the greater good that they believe they are serving? A superficial answer to that question would be that they actually believe that near-universal vaccination would improve public health. But what if the real greater good that they believe in is that the generation of discriminatory attitudes prejudice and intense antipathy against the unvaccinated, in other words, turning them into a vilified outgroup, will facilitate the divide and rule strategy that is currently undermining liberal institutions of governance and tiptoeing so-called Western democracies toward totalitarianism. What if the greater good that they're working toward is the recruitment of an army of militant pro-vaxxers who can be mobilized by the state at will against anti-vaxxers? What if the vaccine war propagandists want to fuel deep animosity between citizens because it serves their true purposes? What if they already know that shops spray-painted with Ungeimpfte unerwünscht" are barely a step away from the signs in German store windows in the 1930s Juden sind hier unerwünscht Jews not welcome here. And what if because of this they have no intention of modifying policy and messaging in order to temper social animosities? If that were the case, it would be up to us to break through the fifth generation war propaganda with our own messaging that emphasised our common humanity and exposed the anti-human motivations of the war propagandists. I don't pretend to know how to do that. But I think we could do a lot worse than to listen to a man who, impelled by family history and his own life experience, has thought deeply about how to heal the divides between people that are generated by warmongers of all stripes. President Kennedy understood that peace begins with our basic attitudes and beliefs. He spoke
1: of the futility of passively waiting for the other side to become enlightened we quote we must examine our own attitudes he said as individuals and as a nation for our attitude is as essential to theirs And quote he we should he said begin by looking inward yes back in 1963 a politician really said that a political leader A political leader
0: voice what would be considered today a spiritual maximum or a spiritual principle thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend and on your socials and make sure you subscribe to my empowered Substack so you never miss a post